With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. The official Brighton and Hove Albion podcast with MyDieselClaim.com. Hello, I'm Paul Hayward and my guest today was part of the Spanish Revolution. Andrea Orlandi tells us how he spotted Roberto De Zerbi's talent on a training pitch in Italy, why he was so sad to leave the Albion and how he avoided the laundry skip full of ice. Andrea, you played in a very good Albion side from 2012 to 2014, but what do you make of the club's progress since you left? Well, it's uh, surely remarkable. Uh, obviously, when I was at the club, while I was playing for the club, I, I could see it coming. Uh, you know, the the ambition uh, obviously has always been here. Uh, the organization, the ideas, uh, you know, the club were great. So it was only about time uh, the Brighton would... Uh, fulfill what what is or achieve what is achieving really people might think that they're going beyond any expectations you know at, uh, the current moment of time but I don't know I had the had the feeling that this club was destined to to do something special and and obviously it's, it's not a surprise uh, to me to see him to see them going like like this did people talk about targets when you were here did they you know was that was there that ambition in the air could you sense it well, a Premier League was was a target, uh, even though uh, you know the team hadn't been playing in the Championship for that long uh, when I when I joined the club. But uh, you know, just playing at the Amex, uh, you know, having that sort of stadium, uh, the new training ground was being built. Um, the players uh, that they were arriving at the club, the coaches we had, yes, uh, you know, the target was was prim- was the Premier League, but uh, without overspending, uh, without you know hurrying just taking uh, the right steps and, and going into the right direction. So we knew the, the, the ambition of the club and we just wanted to be, to be part of it. And has this whole revolution caught the imagination of people in Spain? Have they noticed that Brian and Hove Albion are, are on the up? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, now in Spain, obviously the signing of, of Ansu uh, you know, has made a huge difference. So every single game, every single Albion game is live on TV. Is in the media, uh, you know what what Ansu does. But before him, uh, you know the way that the club was playing, uh, you know first under Graham Potter and and then with with Roberto, 
the derby, uh, you know, I mean, you, you, you have to talk about it. Uh, you know, it's impressive because you're going up against the biggest clubs in the UK and you just play better football than them, you know, so it's, it's something that people need to talk about. So it was a big sign of confidence, I suppose, in the club that Barcelona were willing to send Dan Zufati to, to Brighton. Is that how it was seen? Yes, uh, because obviously uh, I think the clubs share a similar philosophy in terms of the way uh, they want to play. Uh, I think that the main reason that Ansu joined the club is because he knew about Brighton and what Brighton was doing, because he knew the, the way the team played and he wanted to be part of it. And he thought that, you know, it was the right decision in, in his process to be back at, you know, the Ansu Fati that burst onto the scene. So I, th- I think it's, it was the, the right decision for him. And he's actually, you know, a, a sort of, um, how can you say it in English, uh, you know, it's the right proof that you know, the Brighton is up there with, with the best because I'm sure there were, you know, many clubs interested in, in signing Ansu Fati. Yeah. You've had a, a very varied life since you stopped playing. Just tell us what you're up to now. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I've never stopped. Uh, you know, once I, I had to retire, I was forced, uh, you know, to, uh, due to a heart disease. So the first thing I, I made sure is that, uh, you know, health-wise, I was, I was fine. Uh, and I am, so I'm, I'm a healthy boy, <laughs> uh, which is great. I, I went back to Barcelona where my family was living because my, my last six months in football were in India, mm. uh, playing with Inigo Calderon, by the way, with Calde. Uh, so the girls were going to school and it was about me to adapt to them for the first time in a while. And, uh, and I just embraced the opportunity of, uh, you know, seeing what was going to come after and started doing some media uh, straight away. Uh, you know, I started in Barcelona uh, you know, working for, for the club, uh, you know, the TV, uh, Barca TV. And then, uh, you know, uh, it kind of developed to, uh, to more work, uh, you know, doing La Liga TV, where we cover La Liga in English, you know, everywhere uh, around the world. And then, you know, uh, more opportunities came. So basically, I, I work on TV every single weekend in Spain. And, you know, apart from that, I work for an agency as well. And we look after, uh, you know, Antoine Griezmann, for example, who's a world champion. Of course. And that's very interesting, very challenging. I look after, you know, very talented footballers. And, and it's something that I really like, uh, the sort of mentorship and, mm. and agency work that I, that I, I love doing. So I, 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 I tend to say that I work more now than when I was a player. That's for sure. <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> well, you work pretty hard as a player. <laughs> so you're scouting as well, are you? I mean, are you yeah. spotting players? Yes, yeah. yes. And I love, I love the scouting bit. Mm. And obviously, I know this club is, is well known <laughs> <laughs> yeah. for the scouting department, yeah. but uh, I just love it. I love watching football, analyzing it. Uh, you know, I was at the under-18 game uh, last night. Uh, you know, obviously, Caldis coaching. And I just, I don't know, I just, I just like, uh, you know, to see talent, uh, to see how players develop. To then, after the game, drive back uh, to Brighton with Carlin, speak about the game for an hour and a half and, mm. and not getting tired of it. So I just, I just love the game. I, I feel passion for, for football. This is what I love. There was a very um, Spanish flavour to the Albion side that you played in with, you know, Bruno and Calderon and Vincente Rodriguez, David Lopez. Uh, did you feel at times that you were playing in an almost Spanish team? <laughs> well, yeah, because my 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 British uh, teammates were, uh, you know, they played the same style. So, and we had a we had a great bond uh, in the dressing room. Uh, you know, it can be can be dangerous. Uh, you know, I had it at Swansea. I played for Swansea for five years, and there was a season where there were ten Spanish players. Well, between Spanish players and stuff, and somehow, um, uh, you know, naturally, you tend to separate from you know from the rest of the group, and that's not healthy. No. So. But the way we gelled in with the with the British players here was was fantastic. 
you know, they they welcomed everybody with with open arms and and it was just fun. And we we were very Spanish in a way. It's like the way that the, the Brighton is playing now. You know, we just wanted the ball. Um, I've watched some of the games back and 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 I've enjoyed uh, watching us play. So it's uh, it was great. The atmosphere atmosphere was great. We were more than friends. We're like brothers playing out there, and that, I think that that made a difference. Yeah, it looked that way. It was a very entertaining side. And uh, was it was it a shock to the system? Because we always used to think that you know the physicality and intensity of English football would take time to get used to, particularly in the championship. Every game is a yes. tough one in the championship, isn't yeah. it? Um, did you find that? Did you get a culture shock at first? Yeah, I did. Uh, I think my first game was Ellen Road away in League One. Oh, you uh, did then, Leeds, yeah. Leeds United, Swansea. And I came in, it was 1-0. We were 1-0 down. And I remember the ball got cleared uh, by the defence. And as I was trying to control it, someone smashed me from behind. So still, you know, uh, having the grass in my mouth, they scored the second goal. <laughs> and then everyone was looking at me and I said, okay, just welcome to England. You know, that's going to be different. I'm not, I'm not going to have the time on the ball as I used to. But once you match the physicality, uh, which is for me one of the easiest things in football, I mean, if you are as intense as, as the rest, uh, the intelligence, the talent, you know, makes a difference. And, and I think that every single Spanish player that joined the club, because of the culture that was instilled already, uh, you know, by the coaches and by the, the players that were at the club that played a certain way, it was very easy to adapt, and that's why we we played some good football. Yeah. So when you say adapting, you mean you mean being physical with the opponent and also taking the knocks at the same time and just getting back up. Is that right? Yeah, or, exactly. Yeah. Uh, exactly. Uh, I mean, that's something that I I already had in me, but I learned here in in the UK even more. Uh, you know, not rolling around uh, when you're kicked. Uh, just get on with it, uh, because some of the decisions. You get from referees in Spain, you don't get them over here. So uh, it took me, it didn't take me long, uh, you know, to, to understand that. Um, and once you actually match the intensity of, of the training as well, because it's hard. And obviously the, the games, uh, I think that as, as Spanish players, we brought a little bit of flair, yeah. uh, something different, a bit of intelligence, uh, you know, to, uh, to give to the team. And the training ground was a was a field by the university, really, wasn't it? <laughs> it was, it was, and we loved it. And when I looked at the at the, at the training ground now, is it's just, I mean, it's unreal to see how far the the club has come. But you know, we just wanted to be there every day. We didn't care. Mm. Uh, you know, obviously, we had the Amex uh, yeah. already, which yeah. was absolutely fantastic to play at. But yeah, it was. There were different times, but there were good times. Somebody told me that there was there wasn't an ice bath at the club in those days, so that some of the Spanish players used to go and jump in the sea. To, to <laughs> is that right? I think Bruno, I didn't. I didn't know because you probably, don't like the cold. Do you? <laughs> probably Calde did. Probably Calde did. We didn't have ice baths. We had obviously at the Amex. I struggled on the ice bath. Uh, <laughs> you know, I had the physio on me all the time because I was I was always on the hot, hot one. But we used to have these garbage bins yeah. where they put ice and water, and yeah, you had to yeah. go in. Oh, it was terrible, man. I really struggled with, <laughs> okay. with those, but I had to. I had to. I remember those. I think Bruno used to jump in the sea, apparently. So uh, yeah, Bruno. Yeah, Bruno likes it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bruno's the man. And you, you did you you enjoyed your life in Brighton? I imagine because it's a pretty. I mean, you're from Barcelona, but it's a pretty cool place to live, isn't it? By British standards, anyway. <laughs> I, I I loved it. Uh, you know, after five years in Swansea, um, where obviously we came from Barcelona, and uh, it was difficult. Uh, you know, the life outside of football. I remember my first day driving to Brighton and we saw the Amex and then we were taken to the hotel and we had a walk with my wife and my, my, my first daughter was just a baby. And we looked at each other and we said, woof, yes, yes, this is it. <laughs> and from the first day, 
And obviously, we we had our second daughter here. She was she was born in Brighton. She was she's a Brightonian. Yeah. Honestly, I loved every second of it. Uh, even though my second season, I got injured and I had a, a knee surgery. I don't know. It's I thought it was it was my place, you know. And you know when you find your place in yeah. in the world. Yeah. Um. So this is how I felt. And you didn't want to leave. No, not at all. No, no, no. <laughs> what happened? What happened there? <laughs> no, I mean, uh, as I said, an injury. Um, didn't play too many games. Uh, obviously, we qualified for the playoffs. We couldn't make it to the final uh, again for a second season in a row. It wasn't my best season, and obviously, the club had to make a had to make a decision, and they they let me go. Mm. Um, and obviously, it was painful at the time. And, and when you think back, uh, you understand. Uh, you understand why they took that decision, and probably they, they took the right decision. But you know, personally, it was a it was a difficult difficult moment for me because, as I said, I would have never left. I was watching your goals uh, yesterday, and I, I noticed that some of them were as, as an attacking midfield player cutting in, but you were also quite a, a, a number nine, a striker. You could finish in the box, couldn't you? You know, there's headers and, and tap-ins. And... Yeah, well, I wasn't a great finisher, um, but I, I got into good areas. But, uh, you know, goals were my thing. Uh, first season was a was a good one. Second season wasn't as good. But I could score the difficult one and, and miss the easy ones, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I was that type of guy. But, uh, you know, I always tried, uh, you know, to enjoy uh, myself playing and and think about you know who's coming to watch uh, so to give them something and this is how I I took my job. I bet you would have loved to play in this team. I mean, as an attacking wide midfielder, you'd you'd be getting the ball a lot, wouldn't you? In this team, I mean, yes. I suppose you played more or less in the Matoma position, didn't you? Yeah, being very different to Matoma. Uh, thank God for Brighton <laughs> because he's a superstar. But uh, what we had at the time, I, I played as a winger without being a winger. Really, we had Wayne Bridge. Just making the runs for me, yeah. and I was coming in, you know, into a more central position. But, you know, in any position in midfield, looking at this Brighton team play, you'd love to, you'd love to be involved in, uh, you know, the way they, they move the ball, the intelligence of, you know, finding the spare man. Uh, it's just uh, incredible, and you'd love to be coached by uh, by Roberto uh, because he probably would take me and any player to the next level. Yeah, well, I was going to ask you about him because um, he he is being seen as a very innovative coach you know a, a coach who's drawn a lot of attention for his for his ideas his attitude his his his, his composure his his intelligence uh, what do you make of him i think he's um uh, he's different um i remember i played in italy uh you know by the end of my career and and i had you know for 6 months i was living in a hotel and 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 one of the analysts of the team was staying with me and and we used to watch roberto's training sessions when he was a coach at Foggia, so in the in the Italian third tier, and he said, "This guy is amazing." And I, and I looked at his sessions, and I thought, "It's di- it's different, uh, surely." And then when you s- when you see uh, when you saw that Foggia team play, you think, "Okay, the, this guy is this guy is the, the you know the it's gonna be amazing." And then Sassuolo, well Benevento first Sassuolo, and in Serie A, he was able to play a style of football that in Italy would, they would say no. You know, this is not not how you should play. And to attacking, you mean, or yeah, attacking, but you know, looking after the ball. Uh, because in in Italy, basically, eighty percent of the, the teams play the same style. You know, it's the same pattern of play, and you do this, you give the ball to the uh, to the wing back, the wing back will do that, and every team does the same. So by being innovative and provocative at times, uh, you know, this is how you are successful, and this is how he became successful at Sassuolo. And then the way he speaks as well, you know, mm. his press conference, you know, that attitude, um, uh, you know, being so uh, sure of himself. 
Uh, I don't know. It's, I think that he's a great motivator first. He's a fantastic coach. It's, you just have to see the way the team is playing. And he's the next big thing in, in football. And it's, it's great to have him at the club. And hopefully, you know, Albion will be able to keep him for, for a long while. But it's, uh, I mean, it's impressed me. I knew it was amazing. Mm. But, you know, it's probably gone beyond any expectations. It's very interesting to think that you saw him in the, in the lower leagues in Italy and saw something straight away. I mean, it was because he couldn't probably cope or not cope, um, let's say challenge teams with a, a, a bigger budget. Mm. So basically he was doing what we did here. Uh, you know, we did something different, uh, you know, playing wise. What I did at Swansea when we went from League One to the Premier League we, with a lower budget, but, you know, we played differently. This is how we were successful. But he was very different, mm. you know, to everything in Italy. And, and it was shocking. Uh, and and it was great. Yeah. Uh, you know, for me, coming from Spain, I was, I was, I just fell in love with it. I just thought, wow, these guys, you know, I'd love to meet him one day. And, uh, you know, funny enough now, he's, he's coaching Brighton and I'm very close to him. So hopefully I'll get to meet him. Uh, but you could see. Uh, you could see that uh, you know it was gonna be it was gonna be the next big thing. Even though in Italy, some people might have said, "Now it's too, it's too different. It's not gonna work." Well, yeah, it does work and it works really well. <laughs> yeah, because as you said, it's it's harder to be an innovator in Italy because the ideas are maybe more fixed than they are in yes. other countries. Some yeah, other countries, absolutely. And he, but he as a player, he was he was a number ten. Uh, he was a left-footed uh, player that. You know, he had this flair and magic in him. And, and in Italy, they would say he's anarchic, you know, and, and managers wouldn't play him sometimes because, no, he doesn't fit in the system. So he probably thought, well, you know, I'm going to be a coach and I'm going to be different as, because I was different as a footballer as well. So he has that bit of, uh, you know, uh, I don't know how to, how to call it, a bit of magic as well in the coaching. Yeah, and, and charisma, I guess. Charisma, yeah. Personality. Yes. Do you think managers, great managers have to have that personality? Absolutely, because as you walk in uh, dressing room, uh, everyone will be testing you from the first second. <laughs> and if you're not charismatic, if you don't have this aura, it's hard to uh, you know to deal with 25 players looking at you <laughs> and expecting something from you. Yeah, especially when they're very rich and they have big, they have strong agents, <laughs> and you know, and they, they they're powerful. They're powerful people now. Aren't yeah, they? exactly. That you're dealing with exactly. Yeah. So yes, uh, you know, the coaching has to be important, and the player has to feel that he's developing and improving mm. uh, as a player, and he's winning football games. Yeah. So you're making him making them win, but uh, you know, you just gotta be uh, you know a little bit different to uh, to actually impress footballers nowadays. Well, you've had a, an incredible footballing education with all the places you've been to. And, you know, when you left, um, when you left English football, you, you carried on for a long time at, at some, some clubs that not everybody would be familiar with, you know. <laughs> um, I'll mention them. I mean, we were familiar with Blackpool. You ended up there. But <laughs> Anorthosis, Famaguta, Famaguata, is it? Um, Famagusta. Apo oh, Famagusta, sorry. Yeah, Apoel, Novaro Calcio, and uh, Chennain in, in India. <laughs> and then finally, Virtus Entella. Did I say that right? Virtus Entella, I didn't even play there because oh. I didn't pass the medical. When oh, because you, you had your problem. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, interesting. It's an interesting CV. So <laughs> you obviously didn't want to stop playing. No, uh, no. But one, one decision I regret is going to Blackpool. Not because of Blackpool as a club because of the way Blackpool was at the time uh, mm. with the Oystons. And I should have, I should have left the UK, uh, you know, when uh, I was going to say Bright, Brighton got rid of me when, when Brighton decided not to renew my contract because, you know, it was time to go. Uh, you know, I just, if I carry on playing in, in the UK, 
uh, you know, it should have been only Brighton. So it was a difficult season at Blackpool and I had a year a year left in my contract and I just wanted to change completely. Mm. That's why I decided to go to Cyprus. Uh, play in a league, obviously, it's a lower league, uh, but with the opportunity to play in Europe. And this is how what I did with Apoel. We played in the Europa League, we won the group, we got to the, to the last 16. Uh, you know, the season I think Mourinho won it with Man United. Mm. So it was a good experience, you know, to play in Europe, even though obviously the Cypriot League was, was, was different and, and at times crazy. Uh, obviously, Italy was something that I, that I wanted to do and try because my, my family is Italian. So I wanted to, to test me in, in Italian football and I enjoyed it over there. In India, uh, it was, I was 34 and, and I couldn't run anymore. And let's, let's be honest. <laughs> so this, uh, this was the opportunity I had to rejoin Calde, uh, you know, who was playing for the club for Chennai at the time. And, and it was tough. It was tough, uh, but I don't regret it. What was the life in India like? I mean, it's a cricket country, but football yes. was growing at that time, wasn't it? Football was growing. And, and to be honest, the, the league is quite organized. The level of Indian players is still low. Uh, so they're, they're improving, but uh, they're quite far. The lifestyle was difficult uh, because after training, basically, yeah, we had nothing to do. We were staying in apartments, very isolated. Uh, if you wanted to move, like to do five miles is is nearly two hours because of mm. the traffic. Mm. So it was, uh, I had my family back in Barcelona. So we were staying on our own and, and thinking, and I was thinking, what am I doing here? <laughs> but now I look back at it and it was a, you know, it was a, it was a good experience. I saw things that, you know, I wasn't ready for, and uh, it was an eye opener. Um, in life, you mean rather in than life, football? Yeah, yeah. In life, mm. in life, um, and I, I still help them. Uh, you know, I still help. Uh, you know, as I can uh, with some associations there in, in Chennai. Uh, it was obviously a very deprived area, and uh, yeah. uh, but uh, now it was. I have some friends. I left some friends. Indian people are good people, mm. um, um, but obviously it was six months, and that, and that was that. That felt like six years for me. It was it was hard. It was hard. Yeah. Where did you finish in the league that year? We we did. I think we we only won one game when when I yeah when I was there. We just we we, we were awful as well. So it, it was it's like at, at least I'm enjoying my football. No, I wasn't. Uh, you know, I just lost six kilos and uh, I was skinny. I couldn't run anymore. It was like. I don't know. I think it was my body telling me that something was wrong. And this is when I went to Italy, went back to Italy and, mm. and didn't pass my medical, medical you know. Was, so. was that a shock to you the, to have that heart condition? Because was there any history of it in your family? Or? No. And, it's pro and, and it was a problem that I had had for a long while. So basically, I'd been playing with, without knowing I had this problem. So um, yeah, at the time it was shocking. But, you know, I'm a positive guy. And I, th and I thought straight away, I thought, well, how lucky I am that mm. I've had my career and you know, I'm, I'm lucky enough to, to carry on because mm. I hopefully still got a long life ahead of me. Well, you have. And um, it's, it's really good to see you back at the, um, at the, at the Albion. Um, I know fans particularly will remember your uh, goal against Newcastle in the, in the FA Cup. Do you, do you remember that? Yeah, of course I do. <laughs> the official Brighton & Hove Albion podcast. Check if you are eligible for significant compensation for free at mydieselclaim.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. 
Listen to the deal on Spotify. Well, uh, certainly the best moment, I think the moment that uh, actually, uh, you know, the fans started thinking that, uh, you know, I was, I was okay, uh, was the, the Newcastle goal, uh, you know, in the, FA, in the FA Cup. My in-laws were at home. Yeah. Um, and I, my first season, I lived in, in Hove and I had this strange apartment, uh, which was, wasn't, it wasn't big, you know, it was like three floors, but it was quite, and I remember telling my wife, you know, I don't feel comfortable with, uh, you know, with your parents at home, you know, there's no space, blah, blah, I need to play, whatever, uh, you know, just moaning. Obviously, they were a Premier League club and, um, and we, we were so much better than them. And I thought it was a, it was a nice goal. Uh, you know, one, one of those moments of inspiration uh, sometimes happened during games and, and, uh, and it was great, you know, to celebrate in front of the fans. And, uh, and I told my wife, yeah, they can come whenever they want. <laughs> I'm absolutely fine with them at home. But I remember the day, it was a good day. Uh, you know, I think it was my, my, first, my second goal for the club, but a nice one. I just watch it back sometimes, you know, when I feel, when I feel down or mm. I just want to... Mm. Yeah, yeah, I do, I do, because it brings back uh, fantastic memories. So it was a great day. It was a fantastic day for me. Uh, you know, winning the derby as well against Palace. Uh, we won 3-0 here at the Amex. The atmosphere was absolutely amazing. And and we we just felt superior, you know. It was it was a great game of football, and I was lucky enough to give an assist, I think, for the third goal to Leo Ulloa. These moments, these games were, were special. And the worst one has to be first game of the second season, of my second season, uh, we went to Leeds away. It was my birthday. It was the 3rd of August. And after three minutes, I just just ruptured my meniscus. So I carried on playing for 85 minutes, but uh, I couldn't really run. And when we came back to Brighton, my knee was swollen. I tried to strengthen the leg for, for a month. I, I played on it and then I ended up having a surgery. And this is probably the one of the worst moments. But probably the lowest one uh, was the second leg away at Derby. Uh, when we lost, and it was my worst game as, a, as an Albion player, and it was my last. Uh, so a few days after, I was told that I had to leave. So it just, you know, that second season had some some difficult times, and, and the injury was was hard to take, of course, uh, and so early in the season, and I had a great preseason, so I felt like I was going to build on, you know, the good things I'd done my, my first year here. I couldn't do it, and then, you know, my last game, I fought hard to come back, uh, you know, physically I wasn't ready, but I still played, I still wanted to be part, and, uh, but I, I couldn't, uh, you know, when physically uh, you're not ready and mentally, you know, even though you want to help, you can't really. And I just have this inside of me that, you know, it's my last game was my worst one, uh, you know, so uh, it's, it was, it was a, a tough moment. You played with a ruptured meniscus for all that time. Yes, because basically, uh, you know, when when the meniscus went out of place, I couldn't even walk. But sometimes it came back to to ah, its natural place. But the first, I remember, uh, you know, I went for a cross. I felt something was wrong. I was the the guy in charge of set pieces, and I asked, I think I asked David Lopez to take the corner because I couldn't I couldn't kick the ball. I didn't say anything at halftime. Kept playing, and I played eighty five minutes that game. And after the game, my knee was was swollen, um, so I knew something was wrong. So it sounds like you still feel very at home at this football club, really. I do, I do, but believe me, believe me. Yeah, and it's taken me a while to come back because when I first came back, it just, I I felt like, uh, you know, uh, sad as well, you know. Uh, But now it's it's just great, you know, to see familiar faces Mm. uh, still at the club. Uh, They all look the same, to be honest. They're doing doing all right. (laughs) And, uh, And to see how massively club this club is is it just makes me feel proud 
to have been part, a small part of it. Well, thank you for joining us on the show and, um, and welcome back. Thank you very much. My pleasure. Thanks, Andrew. Thank you. And thank you for listening. What we'd like you to do is recommend this podcast to your mates. We have plenty of big names lined up for you, so please keep listening and remember to follow so you get each episode as it's made. The official Brighton and Hove Albion podcast. Check if you are eligible for significant compensation for free at mydieselclaim.com. This podcast is a VoiceWork Sport production for Brighton and Hove Albion. Sports Social Podcast Network.